Last Sunday was the first day of Advent. Um, if you are like me and you didn't grow up celebrating Advent, um, Advent is a season, uh, begins four Sundays leading up to Christmas. It's a season of preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ, for the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a season that builds the anticipation of Jesus' birth and, uh, and celebration of his birth. But not only his birth in his first coming, but it's also a time when we are to reflect upon his second coming as well and prepare our hearts and celebrate and anticipate that. And so for the next four Sundays, so yes, including the Sunday after Christmas, uh, we are going to be looking at the Christmas story from four different angles. We're going to look at the Christmas story and our story, the Christmas story and the glorious scandal, the Christmas story and the gospel of love. And this morning, we're going to begin with the Christmas story and the promises of God. There is nothing we have that's more precious to the believer than the promises that God has given to us. Second Peter chapter 1 says, everything we need in life comes through God's very great and precious promises. And those great and precious promises are all ours only because of the Christmas story. And so that's what I want us to consider as we kind of prepare our hearts for Christmas 2021 this morning and this month. Let's reflect on the promise of God that's contained in that little stable in Bethlehem. And I just have three points this morning. The first point is this. The promise of Christmas is for all time and more. Last week for Thanksgiving, we had uh, the joy of having Janice's family with us for Thanksgiving. And uh, so we had a house full of people. And at one point, some of us were talking and somehow the subject of time travel came up. It began with a discussion of what the best time travel movies are. But then it moved into a just a, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually hop into a time machine or a DeLorean and travel back in time or ahead in time? Wouldn't that be the coolest thing? Like, it seems so possible, but it's so impossible to do. But this morning, I want you to imagine with me that you have a time travel machine and you decide to travel back in time to the point where the Christmas story began. And so you're sitting in the machine and you're turning your dials and you're, what year do you set those dials for? Someone might say, I would set it for, I don't know, 1 AD, 4 AD, sometime in there, I'll, I'll get it. But when Jesus Christ was born, a baby in a stable. That's where I would set the time for. And it would be awesome, wouldn't it, if we could travel back and walk into that stable and see along with the shepherds that little baby in Mary's arms. That would be awesome. But that would not be the beginning of the Christmas story. So someone else here who's, you know, an Old Testament scholar might say, no, I would set the time back to the very dawn of humanity to chapter three of Genesis, man and woman, Adam and Eve are barely, barely alive. They were just created and then they fall into sin. And at that point, 
God promises that one will come. As Adam and Eve stand in front of God, having disobeyed God, having, having allowed sin to enter the world, being tempted and deceived by the serpent, as they stand before God ashamed and devastated, and God gave them the promise, one will come from the seed of woman who will be wounded by the serpent, but who will crush the head of the serpent. And so you've got the time set for, I don't know, what's that, a week, two weeks, a month, we don't know, into the very dawn and beginning of humanity. But I submit to you this morning, the promise of Christmas, you have to set your dial earlier than that. You have to set the dial to a time before time existed. That's, that's going to explode your brain if you think about that too much. But you have to set your dial to a time in eternity past. When God made a promise, before he had created the world, before he created Adam and Eve, possibly before he even created the angels, God made a promise. That's where Paul sets the dial in Ephesians chapter 1, where he writes this, verse 3. Through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is where he sets the dial, verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Before the world was created, before the foundation of the world, God predestined us for adoption. Adoption is a promise. It is a promise. My daughter and son-in-law have adopted three precious children. Each of them, the adoptions began before they were born. So before Asher, before Justice, before Eliah had ever drawn a single breath, Jordan and Jennifer made a lifelong promise to them. A lifelong promise a lifetime of promises that they would be loved, they would be cherished, they would be protected and nurtured. They would be forever family. They would grow up with all the care and the provision and the nurture that Jordan and Jen could provide for them before they ever drew a single breath. That promise was made. Adoption is a lifelong, precious promise. God made that promise to us. Before you were born, before I was born, before the world was born, out of love, 
God promised to bring those he adopted into his forever family. What a promise that is. That promise was forged in eternity past. And that became an unbreakable chain of promises. One promise accumulating so many promises within that cable, within that chain of unbreakable promises that would run throughout all of human history and would gather more promises around it as it went. And so this unbreakable promise reached Adam and Eve as they stood in front of God, broken, devastated, ashamed. Relationship with God broken. God said, the day you eat, you will die. Death, sin, hopelessness had entered the world. And in that moment, God gave them a promise. It wasn't a new promise. It was the same chain of promise that God had made in eternity past. One day, a warrior will come. You stand here defeated by an enemy you could never defeat. You stand here full of sin and stain to a degree you would never overcome. You are ashamed and guilty. But one day, a warrior will come and he will pick up the battle. And he will win what you lost. And he will be wounded in that fight. But he will crush the head of the enemy. Promise. That unbreakable chain of promise continued through the Old Testament. And we just have promises after promises. A prophet will rise up like Moses. A king whose throne would last forever. A shepherd who would care for and protect his flock. A sacrificial lamb who would give his life and die for our transgressions. A Savior who would save His people from sins. A man who would be Emmanuel, God with us. At a particularly dark point in history, in Israel's history, when the northern kingdom had been conquered by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom was full and corrupt of sin and idols, and they were going to be defeated shortly into all this gloom and the anguish of a dark nation in a dark time, God gave this promise through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth. And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I I love that last line because it's God saying, this is my passion. This is my heart. This is my promise. When God is passionate about something, ain't nothing going to stop him from doing it. The zeal of the Lord will do this. You try and stop it. It is not going to be stopped. 
What a promise. For us, to us, a child is given, a son is born. Promise. And finally, after thousands of years, 700 years later from Isaiah, but thousands of years of waiting in the fullness of time, on that first Christmas morning, God sent his son Jesus. God sent his son Jesus. Christmas, that's stable. That beautiful birth of the Son of God is ground zero of all of God's promises to us. All of his promises. All of his promises flowed from eternity past in an unbreakable chain to that moment, ground zero, and then it flows forward with the same unbreakable chain into eternity future. The promise that our sin would be removed as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that a beautiful promise? To those who are so sick of our sin that it will be removed from us and God says, and I will never remember it again. The promise of the precious Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us. The promise that Jesus would be for us with us forever and would never leave us. Promises. The promise that God will complete the work He began in us. It's a great promise, especially when we feel like we've gotten bogged down. The promise that Jesus will come back for us. That second part of Advent. He will return to this earth and He will take us to our eternal home in His kingdom to be with Him forever. Promises, countless, hundreds, thousands of promises given to us. Christmas morning is ground zero for all of those promises. And that moment, it reaches back to eternity past. It reaches forward to eternity future. The Christmas story is the story of God's promises. And the promise of Christmas is Jesus. Very simply, it is Jesus. The promise is Jesus. Every good promise God has made to us is fulfilled in that baby in a manger. An eternity of promises were contained in that stable because it contained the Son of God. Every promise of God was answered in Jesus, and every promise was answered yes. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, was not yes and no, but in Him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In Him. It doesn't say some of God's promises. It doesn't say even most of God's promises. All of God's promises, and they find their yes. That's where God loves to say yes. He says yes to his promises. In Jesus, all his promises that I've read some of are all yes. All his promises. God's not like, no, no, I don't want that. You know, it's like a parent who loves to say yes to their kid when it's good for their kid. I love to say yes. God loves to say yes. He loves to say yes. And in Jesus Christ, he says, yes, 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 you are forgiven of all your sins through my son, Jesus Christ. I promise it. Yes to adoption into the family of God forever. Yes to reconciliation with God. Yes to peace with God. 
Yes to eternal life. Yes to a king who will rule over us with righteousness and justice. Yes to a light that is going to permeate this world of darkness with hope and life. The promises just keep coming in Jesus Christ. And they are all yes, yes, yes. Christmas is a wonderful time of year. It is a wonderful time of year. It can also be a hectic time of year, right? It can be a busy time of year. It can be a time when we do lose sight of the ball and we forget some of the deeper means. The other day I was walking into Walmart and as I'm walking towards Walmart, they have Christmas music playing, which is okay because it's after Thanksgiving now, okay? They had it playing before Thanksgiving, but I tuned it out. But I'm walking towards it. They've got nice Christmas music playing. And all of a sudden, the clouds break away and the sun just like breaks through the clouds. And it's suddenly this glorious day with beautiful Christmas music. And maybe what you don't expect is that my heart felt a tug of sadness, a tug of nostalgia as I'm walking in. Because I couldn't help but remember the days when the kids were young. And Christmas was so exciting because we saw it through their eyes, you know? And that made it more exciting for mom and dad. And it's still wonderful, but it's different now. It's different now. They've all grown up. It's not the same. My heart felt a tug of nostalgia and a, and a slight melancholy sadness, maybe, as I walked in the door. And you know what? Nothing in life stays the same. In terms of our story, we're going to talk about that more next week. And the intersection of our story in Christmas, the Christmas story. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Whatever your Christmas looks like this, this year, whatever it looks like, it's not going to look the same next year. Whatever it looks like, whether you have a little baby at home, or a baby coming, or you have little kids at home, or older kids, or teenagers, or no kids. Whether you spend Christmas with family and friends, whether you spend Christmas alone, that story is going to change from year to year. It will. But the most meaningful and the most precious treasure and promise of Christmas is unchanging and unchangeable. Because that promise is Jesus. It's Jesus. The promise of Christmas is Jesus. And so our story will change, but it's all heading towards this beautiful, glorious promise being seen. And every tear will be wiped away and all joy will explode. And you know why all of that? Only because of one thing, Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. So I want to close with a third point to share that the promise of Christmas is for children of promise. Uh, to get a little bit uh, biblically wonky, the Bible tells us that all of humanity is broken into two categories, separate categories. And those two separate categories are not those who read their Bibles and those who don't, those who go to church and those who don't. That's not the categories. The two separate categories are not those who try to be good and those who are not good. The categories are not those who pray, those who don't. Those are not the two categories, the, the things we could think, you know, those people go to heaven and those people don't go to heaven. Two categories. All of humanity, every single human being, you're in one category or you're the other. 
The separating line is those who believe in the promises of God and those who don't. That's simple. The separating line is those who believe the promises of God and those who do not. And we see that clearly when God gave Abraham the promise that he and Sarah would have a baby. And that child would usher in the blessing, the savior of the nations. And what a promise. And Abraham was like, he went home whistling, happy, joyful. He told Sarah, she laughed. She was already getting old. And then a funny thing happened. Years went by and years went by and years went by. And they got older and older and older. And no baby. And so Abraham said, you know what? I need to help God a little bit here. I'm going to take Sarah's servant girl, who's younger, and I'm going to do what is possible for us to do. And he had a, a baby through the servant girl. Ishmael was his name. That was not God's promise. God's promise was you and Sarah would have a baby. More time went by. And now... One Bible book calls Abraham and Sarah as good as dead. Like, they're dead as far as having babies go. They were long dead. Now they're really dead. And God fulfilled his promise. And Sarah had a baby. A son. And they named him Isaac. And these two children represented what is possible for man to do, Ishmael, and what is only possible for God to do, Isaac. What is possible for man to achieve, and what can only come through the promise of God. Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 4, verse 20, beginning of verse 22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. Jumping down to verse 28. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Here's what I want to just encourage us this Christmas time. Let's remember, let's remember, we can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. We can't. We live by the promises of God. We are saved by the promises of God. By believing that God did for us what we would never be able to do on our own. And he did that work in Jesus Christ. There would be no Christmas without Calvary. And there would be no Calvary without Christmas. God came. Jesus came. To give his life for us. To fulfill that promise. We who believe in Jesus Christ, are children of promise. We live because of God's promise to us and nothing else. When we stand in the manger and we look at our Savior, the baby born, and know what He's come to do, we also believe in Him hanging on the cross and saying, it is finished. Promise. Promise. It is finished. And we believe with all our hearts He paid our debt. He died for our sins. We are saved. We are redeemed. We are adopted by God. 
by believing the promises of God. And if you haven't believed in God's promises, if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to make this Christmas the Christmas where you believe in the promises of God. Where you say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Make it personal. I believe He came as the one, the only one who could save me from hell and for heaven for eternity. I believe and I want all the promises of God. It begins by believing this promise. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Ask Him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never believed in the promises of God, they're there for you. God's heart is yes. He wants to bless you with all that He has for you. Eternal life is just part of it. He wants to give you life abundantly right here, right now. He wants to give you a relationship of love with Him and God. But it begins by receiving Jesus Christ into your heart. So I want you to to just pray this prayer. If this is your heart and you feel your heart is hungry for God and you're ready to believe those promises, just pray this with me. Dear Lord, dear Jesus, I believe that you came and died on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe this morning that I could never save myself. I could never be good enough. I could never do enough to save myself. I believe that you paid it all on the cross. Now, Lord, will you come into my life? Will you wash me clean of my sins? Will you remove my sin as far as the east is from the west? Will you cleanse me and wash me? Will you restore me to loving relationship with God as my Father, as my Heavenly Father, and adopt me into the family of God? I believe this morning I don't have to do this, that, and the next thing to receive all that. I, I simply come and believe in your promise. I believe in your promise. And I believe it's for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me your own. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, we pray for anyone here or watching who came, who prayed that prayer in their heart of hearts, that you, O oh God, would begin the journey with them, the, the journey that is built on your promises, and may this Christmas be the most precious Christmas they've ever had. We thank you, God, so much for your promises. We stand on your promises, and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.